Brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network as we embark on a new phase of the podcast and this season. So the games every three days were fun while it lasted, but now we have 13 days to relax before the next MLS game. Finally. There's some international – or <laughs> for the next Quakes game. Yeah. We have a, the international break coming up, and then the playoffs in general will start on Friday, November 20th. And then we'll go from there. And we'll just give you a brief outline of what we're going to cover today. So we'll have some general news. Then we'll break down the Sounders-Quakes game that took place on Decision Day yesterday, uh, November 8th. Then we'll give you a macro perspective of the MLS field, the first-round matchups. And we'll also mention uh, Matt Doyle's tiering system, whether we agree or disagree on some of those placements. And mm-hmm. then we'll give a bit of a preview from also from a macro perspective regarding the Sporting Kansas City matchups, a bit of background on the club, things to mm-hmm. look out for, reasons to watch this game, even though as Quakes fans, as many of you are, you're going to watch regardless. Just a right. little bit of extra motivation. <laughs> we have some fan questions, and we also have some questions slash comments from a couple of my Sporting Kansas City fan friends. So that'll be interesting to go over. And then lastly, we'll give some of our uh, predictions. We'll give a prediction for the Quakes versus Sporting Kansas City game. These don't have to be final because there's still a lot to happen, a few key injuries to monitor over the next few days. Yeah, definitely. But just for now. And then I'll also ask myself and my co-hosts, Fabi and Will, to give their two teams that they expect to make the MLS Cup final and the result. They don't have to give a scoreline if they don't want to. They can just tell me who wins from the two. Okay. So without further ado, we'll get into the general news. Fabi, you want to get things started? Yeah. Hey, guys. What's up? Um, welcome back to Teutonic Takes, right? Um, yep. We appreciate you guys listening. Uh, quick shout out to all of our people on Patreon. Thanks for supporting this podcast. Thank we you truly, so much. Yeah, we truly do appreciate all the support we get. We are officially... Um, 100% uh, funded by our Patreon. So thanks, guys. Um, that's big news for us. But getting into a little bit of Quakes news, um, Christian Espinoza is the fourth in MLS assists. So just one behind Nicolas Adero, Alejandro Pozuelo, and Darwin Quintero, each with 10. So Great company there. Yeah, Espinoza becoming the player we all wanted. Maybe he becomes something that's too good, right? And then we have to sell him, but we'll find out, right? Chief Carlos Vela. Yeah. <laughs> um, Osvaldo Alanis could return to his parents' parent club at Chivas after the 2020 MLS season. So this is a brand new, um, a brand new rumor that came out where he's played so well that Chivas wants him back. And a little bit of a heartbreaker here. We could have, I think, kept him, but. What do you guys think? Do you guys want Alanis to stay or do you want him to go back? Let's start with Will. Um, I mean, yes, I wouldn't mind if he stayed, but I feel like at the same time, if we lost him, we wouldn't be losing too much. Um, because I think like I, I've been saying, I feel like Tanner Beeson played really well when he was in. 
I yeah. didn't think there was a big much difference from right now from Beeson and Alanis. Right now, if we saw Beeson still playing, I feel like we would probably be in the same result that we're in right now. Maybe even better, possibly. Who knows? But, um, yeah, so I don't think if we lost Alanis, it would be that big of a deal. What do you think, Ivan? So Chivas are in a similar position right now where as their uh, Ligia is approaching their um, apertura half of the Liga MX season is coming to an end. They're in a similar spot on the table, overall table. They're around the eighth or seventh position, similar to where the Quakes are in the Western Conference. And they do think that while they have a good uh, core of players right now, Chivas, mm-hmm. that there is room for improvement. And if you have a player like Alanis who is playing well at a league of cons- of similar quality, mm-hmm. then that's not necessarily a luxury to turn him down and like let another team loan him again or something. Right. But I don't think he's irreplaceable. And I'll explain a possible solution with this next bit of news. And at first it'll s- feel like, why does this affect the San Jose Earthquakes? But I'll tie it back. So FC Cincinnati were the first MLS team to make their roster cuts. They, um, along with seven other teams, of course, didn't make the MLS playoffs. So we knew this was coming. Um, They cut a lot of players and a lot of good players that I think MLS teams will be monitoring, such as Greg Garza, who's a U.S. men's national team international, Mm -hmm. CM DeYoung, and most interestingly, their captain, Kendall Waston, who is Abby's favorite player. Shout out to Soccer Crush Podcast, also on the Beautiful (laughs) Game Network. If Alanis were to leave, Kendall Waston would not be a bad replacement option. I know right now we have, if Alani were to leave, we have three reliable options at center back. We have Beeson, Youngworth, and Kashia. But I think, as we've seen a lot of these better MLS teams, they have three, if not four, reliable choices all the time that they can rotate, not just for U.S. Open Cups, but like throughout the regular season where injuries and suspensions pile up or just to give others a rest. So I think while I'm happy-ish with the core of center backs we have now, I wouldn't decline someone like Kendall Watson coming on a free. And he's played in MLS since he made the move from Saprissa to Whitecaps in 2014. Mm -hmm. He has 42 caps and seven goals for the Costa Rica national team. And he was selected for the 2018 World Cup squad. No, not the one that made the quarterfinals four years ago, <laughs> but still. He, he's a definitely one, uh, capable of being one of the better defenders in MLS. Right. He certainly was when he was a bit younger, mm-hmm. but still he can do a job at San Jose Earthquakes. And that's just one possibility. Uh, yeah. What do you guys think? Kendall Watson in the San Jose Earthquakes jersey? Yeah, you know, I think he's more of like a Harold Cummings light, right? Or a Harold Cummings mm-hmm. better. Um, I, yeah, I, I think he's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or or a Muma, a Bernardes light, maybe. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think I honestly think the Quakes are kind of like already past that type of MLS 2.0 defender. Uh, Alanis was great with his left. He can do a long ball. I don't know if Kendall Watson can do that. That's, that's my problem. Um, I think Tanner Beeson might already – possibly on a trajectory that is better than Kendall Watson for next year. So we'll see how that, that kind of plays out. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the Quakes would really go out and get somebody like that. I'm just not sure. I mean, with his age and just, I don't know. I feel like you know, we've always been talking about how the Quakes don't really sign anybody. So, I mean, <laughs> it kind of would be hard to think that, oh, yeah, we're going to get Watson. Um, but, I mean, it went, I wouldn't necessarily hate it, but I just doubt that the Quakes would really go out there and get him. Yeah, especially yeah. the MLS guy. He's definitely one of those players that even though it's not the hardest of last names, I do have to think of his name because the S comes before the T. Your natural instinct is to say Watson, but it's right. Watson. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that would be my biggest red flag with Watson, that he is <laughs> on the older side. And when you look at Kashia and Youngworth, that you right. would want your next center back, if Alanis were to depart, to be – closer to Beeson's age than theirs but um we'll see what happens yeah I think the biggest thing does uh Kendall Watson Waston have Waston. a have a green card I think that's a big deal with uh the the Kasia kind of re-signing if we're gonna re-sign Kasia check that real quick because uh, he has played in MLS for a while but right. even though that's been the case because he played for the Whitecaps he might Maybe he it. counted as a dif- domestic uh, player for Canada, but mm. not for the United States. Um, and, and this is why they, Je- Jesse Farinelli has a job, right? Because there's all these weird MLS rules that don't count. Yeah, so usually that's definitely something that would appear on a Wikipedia page of an MLS player, in my mm-hmm. experience. So it's not showing up, so I do think that he would cost a uh, – roster spot and know that that information is also searchable in mls but i'll look into that in the future yeah um, no no worries it's just <laughs> i'm thinking about like guys like uh, glad out of uh, real salt lake i think that might oh, be a better yeah. option and that guy is on his last year he was obviously out of the lineups um he wasn't playing for real salt lake anymore so he's there a little had younger. Been something deeper like a contract dispute or something exactly because yeah. you'd think real salt lake you know, yes, they're trying to blow it up as well. Mm-hmm. And maybe not to the extent of SC Cincinnati where they cut so many uh, experienced and yeah. still like has a few good years left players. But um, you'd think that Justin Glad would be a player you'd want to hang on to in a rebuild. But right. no, there's something they're going full rebuild there. So it's going to be interesting to see how they look in 2021 as well. It's funny because uh, in the MLS, mm-hmm. it's it's one of the leagues where it's like, I don't know if blowing it up really works because, I mean, the draft isn't that fruitful. I mean, it is fruitful. It gives us guys like Jackson Ewell and, and uh, other players like uh, Harrison from New York City FC. But the thing is, I just don't think that that's a very good tactic in the MLS just because you do need to field a, a team out there that's semi-competitive so you can get your fan base somewhat into it, kind of like the, the earthquakes, right? Yeah, it's not necessarily you blow it up because you think you're going to challenge for the MLS Cup in one to two years. You blow it up because what's worked for a couple of seasons hasn't worked. Mm. You want to inject new blood into the system and see what happens. And then you start to build from there and you Mm. go for an MLS Cup. That's kind of – we'll talk more about Sporting Kansas City later, of course, but that's sort of what led to their era of success in the 2010s that we'll talk about. But – Last piece of general news today, the U.S. men's national team will face Wales in an international friendly on Thursday, November 12th at USA. Liberty Stadium, USA. home of Swansea City. 
this will be their first match since February 1st of this year when they beat Costa Rica 1-0 at Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson. So, 10, no, nine months. Nine months, yeah. Between matches. It definitely was one of the last few pieces of, like, we're getting back to some degree of normal in our soccer world. And you saw on Twitter, probably many of you have, that the U.S. men's national team account has been reduced to being one of those uh, soccer beat writers that are like yanks abroad. He, here's how our players are doing in these yeah. <laughs> uh, clubs in Europe. That's essentially what they've been tweeting more these days. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it goes. Wales are always an interesting team. They made it to the semifinals of the 2016 Euro tournament. They didn't qualify for the World Cup though, but they have a good core of players who are either in the Premier League or the EFL Championship. And then you got Aaron Ramsey over in Juventus with our boy Weston McKinney. Yeah. So who, who that'll be interesting too. Um, any other thoughts on that game against Wales? Will you want to take this one first? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, yeah, I, th- I actually do. Um, I mean, first off, it's going to be really interesting what kind of lineup we're going to see. Um, I right. mean, in my instance, uh, Ball Halter, the head coach for the U.S. National All team. Europe players, too. Yeah, it should be all Europe players. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. ones we want to see because they're the ones that are playing in the bigger leagues, right? Correct. I mean, Ball Halter has been uh, notorious playing MLS players mostly. Lately, you know, a lot of a lot of Will Trap and a lot of I mean, Will Trap, yes, Ariola, guys like guys in that nature. Um, so I mean, we got to see these young guys. You know, Dest. We want to see right. the Wales. We want to see. I know what we talked about earlier before we started the podcast. Josh Sargent, but he's not going to be there. But Pulisic, all these other young guys that we want to see yeah. out there for them. Um, so I really want to see what the lineup looks like. And this this game, I know obviously it's just a friendly, but it's a very important game for all these young guys because I mean, U.S. national team is basically kind of I've been on a youth rebuild, and we right. need to see these guys play. Yeah, MLS can still be a, some source of talent because, after all, you have players like Tyler Adams and Reggie Cannon who now playing in Europe. Yeah. They started in MLS. And the next one on that list appears to be Brendan Aronson. Hopefully, right. um, you know, obviously we want the Quakes to do well first and foremost, but we won't mind seeing Philadelphia Union have a bit of a run and Brendan Aronson can use that to catapult his start into RB Salzburg in January. So that will be interesting too. Yeah, the next name we're probably going to see is Cade Cavill. No, <laughs> from MLS <laughs> player, European star. Um, but I'm just happy we're not playing Wales in golf, right? Because Bale would just destroy us playing golf all those years in Madrid. Or rugby. Yeah, or rugby, yeah. But, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, uh, Bale's back, I mean, at Tottenham. I, he's doing good things. He's actually getting playing time. This might be a good test for a lot of our um, backs like Dest and – um, I think Cannon is on the other side or if not on the same side, but it's definitely going to be a good test for the wing play and for the back play. So we'll see what happens. Um, I'm hoping they, you know, they put Bale in the pocket and then they just mm-hmm. take care of the rest of the, I mean, the rest of the Wales team, but it should be a good game. All right. So we'll look forward to that, but now we're going to look back at the decision day clash at century link field yeah. in Seattle between the Seattle Sanders and the Quakes. It didn't quite go as planned. The Sounders got on the scoreboard early in the second half through Nicolas Loidero. 
it was a bit of a scramble from a set piece situation. They went up one zero and then it, prepare for trouble, make a double 53rd minute <laughs> Raul Rui Diaz, with Chris Roldan giving the assist. It, they went up two zero in a flash. And then minutes later after that, Marcos Lopez scores a banger from a direct free kick. Yeah. He halves the deficit and it's two one. And suddenly the quakes are back into it. And then Unfortunately, in the 73rd minute, Lodero adds to his goal with an assist to Jordan Morris, 3-1 Quake and uh, 3-1 Sounders. And lastly, Marcos Lopez uh, scored an own goal. And then that's how we got the 4-1 scoreline we have. So just initial thoughts on that game. Yeah, I had a I had a funny tweet at me where or it wasn't at me, but it was a funny Quakes tweet. It was like, oh, Lopez, of course, got man of the match. He got, he got the brace. He got a save. <laughs> so he definitely should be up there. Um, but yeah, uh, Marcos Lopez had a good game. I don't think that own goal is really fair on him. Um, it was kind of just the run of mill play. The game was already over at that point. Flo Youngverth, my God, he he cannot play Seattle, right? I mean. For some reason, Jordan Morris has his number every single time, and it, it was <laughs> evident. Again, Lodato kind of just – you awakened a sleeping giant, right, a sleeping beast. He turned it on in the second half and just kind of went at it and had whatever he wanted. Uh, Luis Felipe, someone lost their mark all the time. I don't know. We'll talk a little bit about it. But Alanis was a little too far from that first Lodato goal, and it was just like, oh, well, here, here it comes. Here's Open the floodgates. Let's go. Will, do you think that the own goal today was karma for the rather fortuitous own goal that the Quakes benefited from against LAFC? Or is Uh, that reading too much into it? (laughs) A little little reading too much into it. I think it's just at this point it was – we weren't – you know, we didn't put out a great lineup. I mean, why was Luis Felipe in there out of all the people? But, I mean, we can probably figure out why he maybe got in. But I didn't feel like he was – he's – was justified to be in there even I know we had people out um but yeah I mean it was a game that I didn't wasn't surprised by the end of the score it being down four to one I mean it it is next you know we're down two zero and then Lopez you know who thought Lopez was going to score a goal from there I mean probably nobody um but it was awesome goal um and but then next you know it's four to one and you know it was a game that a game that didn't matter but you know, so hopefully Quakes can bounce back in a couple of weeks here. You know, you know, so bad for done... anyone watching the game that took a five-minute long bathroom break during those <laughs> first three goals. Yeah, you know, you know who would have done a great job in uh, Luis Felipe's role that had a great season, Kevin Partida. But he's on Minnesota now, so I mean, what can we do about it? <laughs> <laughs> or his buddy Eric Calvillo. All right, but he came on for after you know the 58th minute where it was. Right. Kind of kind of gone. The game was over with. So Yeah, so let's go over the lineups real quick. The Sounders started Stefan Fry in goal. They had the back line of Kelvin Leardam, Guillemar Gomez Andrade, Javier Arriaga, and Nuhu. And then their holding midfielders were Christian Roldan and Joao Paulo. In their wingers spots, they had Jovan Jones and Jordan Morris. In their central attacking midfielder position, they had Nicolas Loidero and of course Raul Ruiz Diaz was up top. Their subs were Christian's brother Alex Roldan in the 64th minute for yep. Nuhu. Eighth minute was Jordi Delem for Leardam. A first minute you had Jimmy Medranda, a former Kansas City player, coming on for Jovan Jones. 
And then the 89th minute, you had Shandon Hopo for Morris and Joshua Atencio for Joao Paulo. So can, can I say something? Real quick, Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, really quickly, Ivan, I'm so happy that you say all these names for us, right? Because <laughs> so I don't <laughs> have to say them. Uh, but really quickly, my my wife's family is all Peruvian, right? And yeah. the one scapegoat of the Peruvian national team is Rui Diaz. And whenever they're yeah. talking about how bad Rui Diaz is, I always laugh. I'm like, dude, he scores against the Quakes like every time, and they're always bangers. Like, what are you guys talking about? But just a nice little kind of take on Rui Diaz. A lot of Peruvian fans of the national team don't really like him because when he puts on the shirt, he doesn't score goals for them. Um, but, I mean, if you look at only Quake's film, he's one of the best players in the league. So, it's kind of – it's just a funny thing to think about. Peruvian fans can't be too spoiled about too many things. But they're, before Rui Diaz, their strikers were killing it in, like, the Brazilian league and yeah. in Bundesliga for ages, Claudio Pizarro, Paulo yeah. Guerrero. So – Rui Diaz had, has big shoes to fill, and it's not like he's a 20-year-old. He is in his prime right now, so yeah. they would love him to be scoring as frequently as he does in MLS and right. the Bundesliga or something. But regardless, Rui Diaz is definitely someone on form and production that you'd want in a national team of Peru's uh, size. But Similar to Mexican and U- USA fans as well, yeah. and maybe in a few years Canadian fans as well as their youngsters develop, you get that more ambitious and you want to close the gap with the national teams above yeah. you. And while we love the MLS, we know that not too many MLS players end up going far in the World Cup. But. Yeah, yeah. The funniest thing about it is, uh, well, speaking about another Peruvian international, Marcus Lopez. <laughs> yeah, so the Quakes lineup, JT Marson casting in goal, Nick Lima, Low Youngworth, Osvaldo Alanis, and Marcos Lopez, the back line. And this was a 4-4-2 today, probably a bit of roster juggling due to injuries and suspensions. Yeah. Christian Espinoza and Shea Salinas were the wingers with Jitson and Luis Felipe more centrally in midfield. Up top, Chris Wondolaski partnered with Cade Cowell getting his uh, first start in a while, I think, or maybe yeah. his first MLS start? Um, I don't think so. I, don't I think, think it was his first. I think, I think he think started like before. second or third, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, he's still just getting over that barrier. Um, 58th minute, Eric Calvillo came on for Luis Felipe, so that was after it was already 2-1 down. Right. Um, and in that same minute, we also had Tommy Thompson coming on for Nick Lima and Siad Haji coming on for Espinosa. Not sure about that Espinosa substitution, but maybe saving him for the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, 81st minute, Paul Marie came on for Marcos Lopez shortly after that own goal. So it was a bit of a uh, patchwork uh, earthquakes lineup. No Jackson Ewell due to suspension. Right. Uh, Carlos Fierro was hurt. So, and no Andy Rios, was he hurt as well? Uh, he had a, a yellow, yellow card accumulation. Oh, yellow card accumulation. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. So, yeah, yeah so. there was three players who are certainly going to be in the lineup if not starting, that had to be shifted around there. And I think uh, Almeida did the best he could with what he who he had left. Yeah. And I don't mind seeing a 4-4-2. 4-4-2 is a boring but safe formation. So I'm all for formation. boring and safe <laughs> when you're playing against a team of Seattle Sanders quality. Yeah. And so based off of – what I saw this game, it might be a little, you know, harming or 
a little bit of a warning sign that we're really bad out of the second half. I mean, out of the locker room, the first 10 minutes, the first 15 minutes of the second half, we always get scored on. And not just one goal, but multiple goals. So this is definitely alarming and something that didn't happen against LAFC. Yeah. Right. But still Mm -hmm. it's been a a trend happening with this Quakes team this season, at least. So we just have to keep an eye out when the playoff game comes after the break or after when they go into the locker room at halftime, see how they come out at the second, at the second half. Yeah. So we got a bit of a milestone to celebrate or two actually. So Nick Lima and Florian Youngworth both reached a hundred MLS appearances uh, so even though it wasn't the result they wanted or anyone associated with the Quakes wanted, that is still an important achievement for them in their careers. Uh, Nick Lima in particular, he became the second Quakes homegrown player to get to that mark following Tommy Thompson. Will, how do you, how does that uh, affect uh, how you view Nick Lima and Florian Youngworth reaching this amount of appearances, all for the San Jose Quakes, of course? Yeah, I mean, it kind of like kind of shocks me that we've had, kind of feel like we have flow for so long now. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it just doesn't feel like that. It feels like, oh yeah, just the other day it was, oh yeah, we got Flo Youngworth and Danny Houston. You know, it felt like that <laughs> happened not like not too long ago. But yeah, I mean, it was great to see. I mean, Flo has been trying to juggle multiple different positions, and he's really settled down as a center back uh, position for us, and he's been one of our better ones. Um, as far as Lima goes, I mean, you know, this is a, guy, a future star for us. He should be, you know, gets uh, called up for the international duties sometimes. So we Hopefully. expect a lot from Lima. So, you know, um, this is a guy that we like to see get 100 appearances for us, and we just hope we get the best from him every time. Yeah, so when Florian Youngworth first signed with the San Jose Earthquakes, he was 28 years old, very much a finished product. He played most of his – career in the lower divisions of Germany before having two seasons in the Bundesliga with Darmstadt. Yeah. And then we thought, okay, we'll see what we can do, but um, how long will he be here for? Because you never know with the players of that age, if they either like fall off the pegging order real quick when you replace them with someone younger, yeah. or if they decide that, Oh, they're doing all right in MLS. Maybe they can have a niche in some sort of Europa League team, perhaps. But <laughs> Youngworth has been a consistent force for the San Jose Earthquakes, and that's he's been someone that, even though he's been on the wrong end of a lot of these scorelines, it's very rarely where you could think that, oh, he had a uh, David Luiz 7-1 type of performance um really quickly he took a while to get to his 100th appearance because he he was on the bench for a lot of a lot of those games a lot of the games Mm -hmm. he came off the bench or a lot of them he wasn't the starter and remember there was a big time where a lot of quakes fans wanted were calling for his name right put him out there in the back line what's going on like why isn't Flo playing why isn't he playing central midfield so Flo finally reaching that 100 game milestone is definitely he deserves it. I mean, it took a while to get there. It, he was on and off the field, but he cemented his place in, in the center back this year. So definitely a great accomplishment for a great, great Quake player. Yeah, yeah and he has those implicit leadership qualities. And I think Bundesliga does a great job, and German soccer as a whole does a good job of instilling those qualities into their players. And we have seen it with the U.S. men's national team throughout several generations of players. You know, Steve yeah. Trundolo, mayor of Hanover, Claudio Reyna, 
Casey Keller, Definitely. like they've all become players that they've grown and matured as players as through the Bundesliga. And I think players like Weston McKinney definitely uh, this year, for many reasons on and off the pitch, mm-hmm. has shown his maturity uh, while he was at Schalke. So I think the Bundesliga remains a very good league for so many different reasons. And getting a player from with that experience from Florian Youngworth has been a real treat. And yeah. I also want to give Nick Lima some credit too. Uh, Castro Valley native. Uh, he is someone that you want to root for and you want to see do well. He's on the fringes of the U.S. men's national team. And well, the fullback positions and pool is getting a bit deeper. And Nick Lima's pushed down a bit more in the pecking yeah. order. I think a good playoff run or a good season next year can definitely change that for him. I agree. All right. So next up, so after scoreless first half, Seattle scored two goals very quickly in the first nine minutes. Quakes do have to improve at the start of the second half, as Fabi mentioned. Right. But let's talk about Marcos Lopez's direct free kick. Uh, Do you think that whenever he's within 30 yards of the goal, like – there's always going to be a conversation where, hey, Marcos Lopez, you want to try it from here? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they haven't gone to it more. Alanis has been doing a great job. Or, I mean, he scored that one against Minnesota. So, but I see, after seeing that, I was like, man, why, why don't they make him score or try more from that? Do you mean like uh, in the first game of the season, uh, Alanis yeah, scored against Toronto? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It was a, uh, yeah, Toronto, Toronto. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was thinking Minnesota. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no problem. I was at that game, the last Quakes game, right? <laughs> oh, really? Believe that awesome. the last Quakes game. Oh my god, before <laughs> before COVID, pre-COVID. But yeah, I think Marcos Lopez might be on a trajectory where we lose him because someone offers us five million dollars for him. Who knows? Yeah, this uh, Marcos Lopez reminds me of this video from HATC Sport where they were talking about your weirdest club player from a Premier League perspective who scored wonder goals. And I think Marcos Lopez is slowly getting himself off that list for the Quakes. It's getting less weird now that he's scored two wonder goals. Yeah. He's two for two. So I think that's definitely going to be interesting. Like, we don't, if you want to score some of the easier ones in the future, yeah. go for it. If you find yourself in those positions uh, coming from left back. But, you know, we're glad to take goals wherever they come from. And Every time. While there is, Every time Yudsen has the ball, just pass it to Marcos Lopez, all right? Because he can score from those <laughs> angles. Not you, Yudsen. I'm sorry, but just pass it up. You have Mike Dicka shouting, pass the ball to the Peruvian. Yeah, exactly. The Italian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so while there's no shame in losing to the Sounders, as long as you keep it somewhat competitive, which for much of the game it was, mm-hmm. and this match wasn't the determining factor regarding whether the Quakes – would make the playoffs or not, God, right? you do want to yeah. go into the playoffs in better form than this. And yeah. this is exactly why I preach, like, get your points against Vancouver. Unfortunately, right. that didn't happen. Get your points against Russell Lake and maybe LAFC, which did happen. And then don't worry about Sanders. You do not want to go to Central Link Field asking for a result. It yeah. doesn't work well for many NFL teams or MLS teams. Cascadia. Just well, just imagine if the game didn't get rescheduled. Oh yeah, yeah right, right. I mean, that was then, the biggest thing. I mean, I guess. Yeah, I mean, who knows what would then happen? I mean, I mean, but obviously we would have saw a different lineup 
because obviously we didn't play against LFC, so we would have saw a different lineup against uh, Seattle. So there right, Jackson Ewell wouldn't chance. have been suspended. Right, Andy yeah. Rios wouldn't have been suspended. Carlos Fierro wouldn't have gotten hurt. So, yeah, that is definitely a case of the butterfly effect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, I mean, we were fortunate enough that it got rescheduled, and we, you know, we answered up. So the Quakes finished the 2020 regular season in eighth place in the Western Conference Woo. with an 8-9-6 record, which is 1.3 points per game. And the, my initial title for this podcast was going to be the We Believe Quakes because the Golden State Warriors <laughs> yeah. were the eighth seed, but they were a very exciting eighth seed. And they knocked out the number one seed, Dallas Mavericks. And we'll see if that can happen again. But for now, like, this doesn't feel like an eighth seed that's just sheep being led to the slaughter. Like, this is a Quakes team that has a chance. But, you know, we remain underdogs and we'll accept that role. Yeah, and but if you, if you look back to the Warriors, we believe, season, during the regular season, they weren't that good of a team. They played the Mavericks no. well every every time, but not the whole league. So, we know, mm-hmm. we might have an upper hand. We, we'll get into this a little later, but we might be that we believe season. And we, I mean, this Earthquakes team might be a dark horse to win it. Yeah, so uh, J.T. Marcinkowski didn't add to his four shutouts, but when you get four shutouts out of 11 appearances and you had to fight your way into the lineup midseason, I think you'll take that every day of the week. Yeah, um, he would have been happy to have become the starter and have no shutouts, but to get four, yeah. like, that's pretty good for J.T. And I'm sure if he starts a full regular season uh, next year, that there is a good chance that he could maybe consider getting to double-digit clean sheets if the defense improves. Where's uh, Daniel Vega's burner at? Like, come on, dude. Where you (laughs) at, dude? I know. (laughs) I think he's uh, too busy sending toxic DMs to JT. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so one set, one dead. Uh, Why don't you go first, Will? Oh, man. I mean, where do I begin? Um, (laughs) Stud, I mean – I mean, it's so easy just to give it to Marcos Lopez. I mean, I don't know if yeah. you guys are going to agree. Yeah. Let's give it to him. I think, I think, I think we got to say it's Marcos Lopez. I mean, that goal, that angle, it was beautiful. I mean, I can't – there's no one else I can pick out and be like, oh, yeah, like, you did so good. I got to give you – it was only Marcos Lopez, unfortunately. Unanimous stud, yeah, I think, I, for all yeah, three of us. I, yeah. Think, <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's pretty easy to say. Uh, Dud, uh, I mean, I would have loved to have seen some more – I mean, better out of Cade Cowell. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, yes. I mean, we know, you know, he's still fresh, wow. he's still young. Wow. But at the same time, we've seen so many moments where he flashes and he's about to score a goal. Um, so I expected a better chances from him at least. Um, but I feel like he just wasn't as prepared as he should have been. I mean, after coming off to so many different times and almost scoring multi- uh, goals. So yeah. I expected better, better from him, honestly. All right. My dad would be – Luis Felipe, because mm. I think that yeah, I guess so. it's just not in his brain to have two good games in a row. And <laughs> maybe it's because he rarely plays two games in a row as well. But still, in the MLS, you have to be ready to contribute at a higher level than he has been. Yeah. And there are other midfield options that came off the bench, like Siad Haji and Eric Calvillo. Granted, right. they're more attacking options than Luis Felipe is. His roster spot is not guaranteed. So, yeah, it's not. You know, he's one of those players, unfortunately, that if he does leave this offseason, I don't think too many people will notice. So yeah, right. Definitely not. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, Fabi? Yeah, so my dad's going to go to uh, Jesse Fiorinelli. Um, this, this team here was very uh, 
injury riddled and yellow mm-hmm. card accumulation. So we didn't have the depth enough to compete in this game. So if yeah. if anyone wants to, you know, point the finger at the roster that we had because of we, I mean, we couldn't compete in this game. This is Seattle. They have a luxury of superstars while we're, you know, fielding guys like Luis Felipe to start. Definitely not a good look. So just yeah, really even like some of their subs that aren't the most impressive players. Like I would rather have a player like Jordi Dellum's quality than mm-hmm. yeah, Luis Felipe. But Definitely. um, overall, like he's still a quake. Like I appreciate all the quakes. Like we're rooting for them to succeed. But Luis Felipe, you know, we need a little bit more. We're just being and, realist, right? Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, some stats. So shots, uh, it was very symmetri- symmetrical here. Sounders led eight to, uh, 10 to 5 on shots and then 6 to 3 shots on target. So even though the Sounders had more shots, which is very common when you're mm-hmm. facing them at their home, then both teams were 50% uh, shooting on target. Uh, possession, Sounders had 57% of it. Uh, you'd like it to be a little more even, but again, like it's an away game against one of the best teams in MLS. But the possession. (laughs) Yeah. Passing accuracy, Sanders led 87% to 83, pretty similar. Uh, They both had one chance created each. Uh, They both had four corners. Quakes had 12 fouls to Sanders seven, but surprisingly no cards at all in this match. Good. And lastly, the Sanders had one offside. The Quakes had zero. So, overall, with those stats, like, you can understand why the Sounders won the game. It doesn't scream a 4-1 scoreline, but, you know, you can't argue with the result too much. Mm -hmm. And then um, that takes us into the MLS playoff field, the Western Conference. This is probably the best scenario for the Quakes. So, alluding to what I was saying earlier, we might be a dark horse. I personally think this is the best scenario for the Quakes. Playing a team that we never played in sporting. So, the first – seed goes to Sporting Kansas City versus the eighth seed in the San Jose Earthquakes. And then in the same bracket, we have Minnesota United versus Colorado Rapids. And then um, as the fourth and the fifth seed, the second seed Seattle Sounders will take on seventh seed LAFC. So LAFC saw themselves kind of dwindle into that seventh seed. um, And they have a very tough first round matchup. Yeah. And then Portland in the third seed versus – uh, six seed FC Dallas. Rip Dallas. Conference. Yeah. If Dallas gets out of that quadrant there, I'll be very surprised. But, yeah. You know, it'll be a bit of a trial by fire for their young team. They're kind of the Ajax of the MLS. They continue to find young right. players to step up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will, you want to go over the Eastern Conference real quick? Yeah, yeah. I'll go over the Eastern Conference. I just want to mention uh, something since uh, we're all okay. said and done with the uh, – with the, I mean, it's decision day. It's all said and done and talking about like the points uh, per game, but looking from both the Eastern conference and, and the Western conference, the, it didn't really become that much to factor in by oh. the point. Like, cause there was nothing, no one uh, on each side that it didn't affect anybody really, except for mm-hmm. Colorado, obviously yeah. Colorado, yeah. It, it was fortunate for them. Mm-hmm. So as far as the rest of them, there was no one that got slighted from the points per game. Um, right. Everyone, everyone that made it, it was supposed to make it. You know. Yeah, Eastern Conference, it didn't really matter, and like you yeah. would be a bit more forgiving if someone got in from points per game with ten slots. Like if you're still a bottom four team out of fourteen, then that is a little different than being bottom four out of twelve. Mm. So, yeah. Yes. 
Sorry, I, I just want to say, I mean, I was glad that, like, at least nothing was really affected from that. Right. You know, we, we thought, like, from the beginning, this was going to be a big, big uh, deal. Yeah. But, a bit of an overreaction in MLS, nothing new. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah. I mean, it was to really late, ahead, though. Man. That announcement was really late. So, I mean, it could have affected us. I mean, it did, Colorado, right? So. Mm-hmm. Right. right. All right, so for the Eastern Conference, we had uh, Philadelphia Union. I mean, guys, I mean, let's talk about yeah. that real quick. I didn't think – I mean, when we talked about the standings a couple podcasts ago, we didn't think, the, you know, the Philadelphia Union were going to rise and Toronto the- were up there for a long time. Right. Yeah. I mean, for Philly to go up there, I mean, props to them. I mean, I mean, it was great for them to win the Supporters' Shield. I mean, no one probably expected that. Um, so, yeah. good, good on for them. I think it's an asterisk, though. I mean, you can't get a Supporters' Shield when you're playing, right? You're playing Cincinnati, um, Toronto all the time. Or not Toronto, but Cincinnati. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, guys, Um, Cincinnati's not a quality club. If you get a win against Cincinnati, you know, every four games, I mean, of course, that's that's your Supporters' Shield. But Union have uh, nine wins at home this season out of a possible nine, too. So that is a big deal considering – they will be hosting the rest of the way as long as they're in the playoffs. So something to keep an eye out for. Right. And so also obviously with the, you know, the difference with the, the 10 teams making in the East, there is some plans. Um, mm-hmm. So we got the, let's talk about that real quick first, but the plans from Nashville versus my team that I really wanted to see in the playoffs into Miami, obviously <laughs> yep. the Iguain yeah. brothers, but obviously Nashville is a hard team uh, to beat. I mean, we talked about how um, Zimmerman has been playing very yeah. well for them. So the mm-hmm. uh, Iguane brothers going to have to step up and uh, take out <laughs> Nashville. We'll see. Um, and then we got the New England Revolution against the Montreal Impact. Uh, we'll see how uh, T.R. Henry will uh, really <laughs> step up there. Yeah, so the way the plans will work is the 7 versus 10 seed will play each other. I believe that's Nashville against Inter in Miami. And then the 8th and ninth seed also play each other. So Revolution versus Impact. And so pretty much if the 10 seed into Miami wins, then they're facing Philadelphia Union no matter what. Right. And if mm. they don't win, then whoever the next lowest seed that advances, they face Philadelphia Union since they're the one seed. And then Toronto is the two seed will take whoever's left over. And then everything else is set in stone. We got Orlando against New York City FC, another pair of expansion teams that join the league in the same, same year. year. Yeah. Yep. And then we got Columbus Crew against New York Red Bulls. So that's going to be a very interesting matchup. Two teams going in different directions. We'll see if it would be such a 2020 thing with New York Red Bulls. They've had such great teams in the past that underperformed in the playoffs that this sort of rebuilding team with Chris Darmus fired, if they somehow were able to upset the crew, that would be quite the thing. Yeah, I I think – now, this is a hot take, right? This is a Teutonic take right here. But okay, both one seeds are going to fall. Just saying In the it. first round? First round. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, that's a take and a half. Yeah. Cool. That that's... is a hot take. You like your hot Who takes you with some syrup? Who do you see taking out right? Philly? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who do you think takes out Philly? Miami. You think Miami? Right. So they beat yeah. Nashville, and then they beat Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I love to hear it. I love to hear it. Iguain scores two goals. Which uh, one? <laughs> yep. Uh, the 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 main Iguain, right? <laughs> Gonzalo. <laughs> no. All right. So cool. So let's take a look at so Matt Doyle, MLS's armchair analyst. He put the playoff teams into five tiers. 
Tier one are the favorites. Tier two, they're playing like favorites, but they're not quite favorite status. Tier three, they are too flawed to be placed into the even pseudo favorites tiered. Tier four are the dark horses that can cause some waves. And then tier five is the anything can happen tier, which is a very nice way of saying you guys made the playoffs, but that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tier one favorites, you only put Toronto FC and Seattle Sanders. And on one hand, that seems like lazy writing because of course it. everyone knows yeah. that they are the biggest names when you think of an MLS cup in the last few years, but they did earn that reputation. So I can't fault to Matt Doyle on that one. No complaints there. No, I think that's that's deservedly so. I mean, they've been to the final, what, th- two years in a row now? So, or three years in a row? Yeah. Yeah. So, so. they've definitely had their run-ins in the past. And then yeah. Tier 2 played like favorites. You got the Philadelphia Union, Orlando City, uh, Sporting Kansas City, and Columbus Crew. So what do you guys think? Do any of them deserve favorites? Uh status or do you think tier two is fair uh well i mean what you say well yeah i mean they played like favorites i mean i obviously he has to put philly up there i mean they did get the shortest shield regardless of how they got it favi against cincinnati uh but i mean orlando played a really great season and obviously sporting did well being in the first seat but i mean orlando shockingly played very well i mean like obviously they can thank nani uh for that because nani is really good for them uh, but, yeah, I, mean, I think I, they were just really so to put them in Tier 2. What do you think, Fabi? Yeah, you know, I think, like I said earlier, I can see them falling in the first round, uh, Philadelphia and, and Sporting. And I think Matt Doyle thinks that too. So we'll see. We'll see, right? Yeah, it's a very contentious topic who the real kings of the East are between the Philadelphia Union and Toronto FC. Toronto FC have the playoff pedigree, and Philadelphia Union have been the best team in the – league at least from a support shield standpoint in this season um i think that since the union are the one seed they will be playing at home throughout the playoffs and they have that impeccable home record they deserve to be in tier one for me yeah and you can make a case for sporting kansas city but i think i like having that trio at least of orlando kansas city and columbus in tier two and then tier three, so we have the Portland Timbers, and this was entirely due to the injury situation, losing Sebastian Blanco predominantly, and Minnesota United, who have also been ravaged by injuries. Uh, they're still waiting to see if they'll get Osvaldo Alonso back, and mm-hmm. Tyler Miller's out for the season, Eichel Parra's out. So wow. Minnesota United, I think their Beautiful. injuries hurt more than Portland Timbers right now, especially you know in the playoffs if you're starting uh, – St. Clair, a young Canadian uh, as your starting goalkeeper, it's going to be tough for him to succeed in that sort of environment. But Portland Timbers, I feel like they haven't – They, I mean, Blanco obviously makes them better. Yeah. But they've been managing without him. I think that they could be a Tier 2 team. Well, it's because they have a, a really good sub called uh, Diego Valeri. <laughs> so they have a, <laughs> basically a DP caliber player for any other team on the bench when Blanc goes in. Um, so I don't think they miss a beat personally. Uh, I think just looking at these 
this these teams in this tier, I, I think Portland Timbers is stronger than Sporting, but that's just my personal opinion because they always route anybody in the West. I think Sporting got off a little easy, only playing really, I guess, right, some East Coast teams and, and some and RSL and Colorado. So they didn't really have to play anybody. Hard. I'm going to say it. I'm, they're not playing anybody because Cascadia. They're not playing too many people in L.A. So I think they got to the one seed a little easy, personally. All right, then. Uh, Will, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I definitely – we can all say that probably Portland could have been definitely in Tier 2. I mean, Portland has been such a great team. They've won They won recently. I mean, this is a team that we definitely could say they'd be in Tier 2. Um, I mean, honestly, maybe even Tier 1. I mean, Portland did win just – how long ago? What, then they went um, – Against they the, win the MLS Cup? No, no. Oh, the MLS, no, yeah. MLS is back. MLS is back. Well, they won that. They but also they won, won an cup. MLS Cup a few years ago, too. Yeah, right, exactly. So that's on. Yeah, so, Diego Valeri was on that team. Yeah, and then Milana scored that uh, game-winning goal. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that game. Steve right, Clark yeah. had a had a bad goalie mishap. Yeah. yeah. So tier four, we have the terrifying dark horses. You got New York City, LAFC, and New England Revolution. <laughs> I think that because of LAFC sliding into a seven seed, it's hard to justify them putting them in a similar tier as Portland Timbers or even Minnesota United who have been more consistent this season but these are definitely teams that they're not layups yeah I think uh yeah I'd be more scared of LAFC than let's say a uh, Minnesota yeah Minnesota so I think them falling to seventh kind of hinders their um output or their power rankings basically this is a power ranking so yeah essentially all right, so and then tier five where anything can happen. Uh, Kim Garnett, anything is possible. <laughs> um, you got Nashville, New York Red Bulls, Colorado Rapids, FC Dallas, San Jose Earthquakes, Montreal Impact, and Inter Miami. Any sort of argument to put them in any sort of tier higher? I think maybe you can say uh, either Dallas or Colorado Rapids. I think Quakes, the way they entered the playoffs, I think. Mm-hmm. We'll take tier five. Let them underestimate whoa, us. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, this I is like a Matias Almeida squad, all right? <laughs> CONCACAF Champions League winner squad, okay? If we're not the tier one favorites, then Matt Doyle has an East Coast bias, okay? Cascadia, <laughs> or Cascadia East Coast bias. Name it whatever you want to. L.A. bias? Yeah, Come L.A. On. bias. Where Come is on. the Silicon Valley bias? I want that, okay? Not only in tech, but I want it in sports as well. It always happens. <laughs> we should be tier one. And this this take is just wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Anyway, after that, <laughs> I mean, we have to be realistic here, Fabian. Um, I mean, after having so many games where we didn't look like we were even an MLS team um, and coming into being – I like it. I mean, anything can happen, and that's what we're hoping for with this Quakes team. I mean, we want that. So, I, I think we're in the right spot. I mean, yes, I would like to be known as a terrifying dark horse – but um, yeah, <laughs> anything happen. I mean, it's not really. I wouldn't call it like something really flawed. Like it's not, it's not mean. Like yeah, anything can happen. I mean, we are facing supposedly the number one seed. So let's let's see what, see what happens on the twenty second. They have us in there with the impact in Nashville. Okay, come on, guys. This Matt Doyle has a bias, and this is not <laughs> this is not what we want to see. I'm just gonna say it. A lot of pundits right. don't like the earthquakes. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
So now that we've covered the field, let's take a bit of a brief preview of the Jimmy Conrad Derby. So Sporting Kansas City will be hosting this match at Children's Mercy Park. It will be on November 22nd between the one seed Kansas City versus the eight seed San Jose Earthquakes. It's the first meeting between the two teams this season. Kansas City have won two MLS Cups, one in 2000 and one in 2013. They've also won one Supporter Shield and four U.S. Open Cups. And here's the crazy part. So aside from the 2004 U.S. Open Cup, Peter Vermes has won all of those silverwares with Sporting Kansas City in their history, either as a player or as a manager. So he's in a great situation there, and no doubt that he doesn't have to buy a drink in that town. <laughs> Um, so you're telling me we have another Ben Olsen on our, on our hands? All right. Job security. <laughs> you know what ruins job security? Uh, a defeat in the first round of the playoffs. All right. So get ready, Peter Ramiz. You're looking, you're going to be looking for a new job pretty soon. All right. So I have, I have a question. So is this, stadium, <laughs> yeah. is this a stadium? Is this stadium open? Is it open stadium? Um, I believe it. It might be. Let me just. I just want to just that. curious just because I mean, you know, it so might I, be cold I saw a couple of snowing. people on Facebook and Twitter saying that they're going to go support the quakes. So I think yeah, they it's an are open allowing, stadium based on the picture. They yeah, are allowing there. fans in, I believe so. And there's some quakes fans that are going. Fans. Yeah. yeah. So it is an open stadium. So that'll be an interesting development for attendance as well as weather. Do either of you remember the 2013 MLS Cup win? Because it, when I start to explain it, it feels like ages ago. It is. And a lot yeah. of people that are MLS fans now don't um, really say that those MLS Cups, you know, are real. So <laughs> everything in the past of MLS 1.0, 2.0 do not count, okay? 2013 is- was 2.0? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's before LAFC came in. That's before Atlanta <laughs> came in. Before the money came in, if you if you can get some, they MLS were in Cups, the Eastern Conference, Sporting Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, you know, if if you can get some you know, some MLS Cups before there was really money into it, good for you, man. I mean, you you got some cups in when there was uh, basically everybody playing. Team USA. Good job. Good job. <laughs> but no, I'm not scared of this team. I'm really not. I think Alan Polito is a bust. We're gonna see that. Um, thank God our team didn't pay $10 million for him because we'll see. I mean, Florian Younger is going to put him in his pocket, and, and and thank God we didn't get him. If anybody knows his weakness, it's his old coach, Almeida. Yeah, so one last word on that MLS Cup final in 2013. It was settled after 10 rounds of penalty kicks. It's Sporting Kansas City won 7-6. Jimmy Nielsen, their Danish goalkeeper, he was a club legend for them. He retired after the game, and he apparently played that game with broken ribs too. So, dude's a legend for that as well. Uh, I call it the Jimmy Conrad derby, not just because <laughs> Jimmy Conrad on Twitter asked me to, but Jimmy Conrad, also known as Conradinho, if you watch his YouTube channel, uh, he played for the San Jose Earthquakes from 1999 to 2002. He was traded for a second-round pick, which the Quakes used to draft Arturo Alvarez. And then Sporting Kansas City ended up – he was a mainstay in their defense. He won the 2005 MLS Defender of the Year Award, and he also recorded 27 caps and one goal for the U.S. men's national team. And he currently manages the San Francisco Glens in USL League 2. Hmm. So he's got – his foot firmly in both camps there and 
I think it's an apt name for this sort of rivalry because they don't play as frequently enough for this to be a real rivalry, but right. I love Jimmy Conrad, so I'll give him that name. And that'll be the name of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a great name. I like it. Uh, Jimmy Conrad, thank you for doing everything you do to help build the soccer media in the U.S. <laughs> um, but again, I don't even know why you're in SKC's camp because they're obviously going to lose, so – <laughs> if you if you want to be in the winning side, you might just you know you should hop on on the Almeida you know Almeida side. That would be better. Well, have you watched uh, Jimmy Conrad's YouTube and stuff? I no, used to watch it a lot back in the day. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I guess your will, but yeah, no, I have not uh, watched it. <laughs> I'm just hyped. I'm just uh, hyped. I'm, just, uh, give me sporting. Uh, all right, give me sporting. Uh, we got a couple weeks. We, we got, got a couple of weeks, man. A couple of weeks. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta pace ourselves here. You're, you're like ready go time. I'm ready. I think, I think SKC is like the softest team in the West. I'm just gonna say. It. All right. <laughs> I, I, all right. I, I so key wrong. players to watch out for include Alan Polito if he's fit, the Scottish international Johnny Russell, Gianluca Busio, and one of the better goalkeepers out there, Tim Milia, and some key matchups: Chris Wondolowski against Tim Milia. So a sword that pierces through anything against the shield that won't be pierced there. You got Carlos Fierro matchup against uh, Jalen Lindsay, the young right back filling in for Graham Zussi. I think a good midfield matchup would be Judson trying to contain the uh, creative force that is Ilya Sanchez. Mm-hmm. And then you have any of the likes of Gadi Kinda, Johnny Russell, Alan Polito, and Gerso against the Quakes defense. They're going to have a hard time with that man-marking system because there's a lot of creativity and a lot of pace in those players. Let me tell you something. Johnny (laughs) Russell is Fierro light, okay? We have the real deal in Fierro, okay? Johnny Russell is is good. He's he's a good Scottish player, but he ain't Fierro, okay? (laughs) All right, and then Alan Polito is Chris Wondolowski light, okay? The Mexican national team views him like that, okay? Never gets yeah. enough. He, oh, he, oh, he's he's penildo. He just gets a whole bunch of penalties. He's not that good, and we're gonna see that firsthand. All right. So, Will, any final thoughts before we get into fan questions? Oh uh, no, I just know Fabi is ready to go, guys. I mean, if you haven't heard it yet, I mean, hopefully you guys will stay and listen so far. But Fabi's on one, so I can't wait till we actually get a real preview of this. Yeah, Fabi's gonna say. <laughs> I'm putting two two racks on on San Jose. Okay, no, no, I'm kidding. I don't got that time, buddy. But if All I right. did, we're just gonna go on two thousand on San Jose easily. Yeah. So what we're going to do for the fan questions today, uh, I'll read them out and then we'll take turns, each three of us answering them, uh, one person each. And if someone has a very quick response, then we'll give it, but then we'll move on. So I'll start things off with Vega from Twitter asks, if Fierro can't recover in time, should Vaco or Shea make the start? And that's assuming if Vaco is available from international duty. So I'll start with, let's just assume that Kashi and Vaco might not come back because travel is a situation uh i was gonna say a swear word but i'm trying not to i'll keep it pg thank you but um (laughs) i think if fiero can't recover i think shea salinas would be the safest choice to start i think that he is an experienced player he's played in a lot of big matches in mls and i think that he can only help the team uh going forward uh you still have some options on the bench if you choose to start him you can always have someone like Siad Haji come in on that role as a more attack-minding midfielder coming off the bench. So I think Shisalinas is a decent replacement for him. He's not as explosive as Carlos Fierro has been at times this season, but mm. 
he is capable of the good pass here and there. I hate this question because I like seeing Shea Salinas off the bench. I think he adds a lot more to the team when he comes off the bench, uh, fresh legs. He's up against backs that have been playing all game. Um, I would actually want to see if Vako can't go. Um, I would like to see someone else eat him some some time, right, and then bring Shea off the bench. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, maybe Haji or if Vako. Vako, I want Vako in for sure. Um, but I want Shea off the bench. I think he adds more of a dynamic when he comes off the bench. All right, so next question, and we'll give this over to Will. So Joe, Joe Milton from Twitter asks, what the hell happened to this team as a whole since the MLS is back tournament? I went a whole minute without swearing, but go ahead, Will. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what to really say. I mean, I think this team lost its way after Mangus left. Um, it definitely just had to figure out finding their own. Their, you know, I mean, they, they lost their way. Matias had to figure out how to get this team together. Um, we finally did, and we did it enough. Uh, came came together as a team and got in the playoffs. I mean, I don't know how else to really say it without trying to swear or say anything uh, crazy, but I think it was just they, they got lost and they kind of found their way. I feel like you were, have a good answer for that, and you, you proved me right, so thank you, Will. Uh, <laughs> you Omar know what from- Matias Almeida's teams are usually made for? Okay. Tournaments, okay? Yeah. And what tournament did we do really well in? MLS, MLS back. <laughs> so, what tournament are we going to do really good in? The MLS Cup playoffs. That's right. That's all I got to say. <laughs> all right. Omar from Twitter asks, do you think the absence of Rio, Spiro, and Yule cause this wide margin defeat, or do you think that they would have struggled regardless, Fabi? I'm just going to say yes. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that's a no-brainer right i mean if we would have had yule yule would have been a big difference right if yule was just in without rio surfiero we would have been probably lost two to one or maybe tied one one i think i think yule makes a big difference i think if rios could talk to fans right now he would give everyone the i told you so it's <laughs> not always my fault <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right. so i'll take this uh two-part from uh, kevin portillo so he, initially he said, uh, feels bitter to say this, but we missed Rios and Fierro out there. Yeah, I could tell that would hurt to say. And hopefully Fierro will be 100% when he comes time to play Sporting Kansas City. That one probably hurt uh, a little less because obviously you want all your players fit for an important game. Yeah. And he also asked, where should we look for signings such as in center backs, attacking mid or striker positions and we'll talk more about this in the future but like we said earlier in the podcast when we're talking about Kendall Waston or Justin Glad as potential center back options I think look in domestically yeah don't let Minnesota sign all the good players come try to you know be a bit more proactive at the MLS transfer market as contracts are expiring as teams that made the didn't make the playoffs are making cuts yeah. and see where you can make some additions Definitely. I think um, we have to look at the domestic market. We haven't looked at it at all once. Um, I think bringing in a loan like Alanis would be great too. I think that was, if we do damage in the playoffs, I think that will be a success on Jesse Fiorinelli. All right. Uh, I'll give you the next one, Fabi. Giancarlo LaRusso from Twitter asks, going to the playoffs on a sour note, where do you think the team focus needs to be? I think the offense has been looking better than the defense, particularly against Seattle. Uh, Fabi, do you agree with that? Um, I think the defense has been looking a little better. Um, it's better than the Tanner Beeson days. Sorry, Will. Um, I think, oh, wait a I think Aladis, Aladis is doing a great job out there. This game is just unfortunate. Uh, Flo 
they need to hide flow, right? That's the biggest deal. Um, they need to hide flow um, on this man marking system. Let's let's just say Kasia and Vako are back, right? And we and they're playable. Having a guy like Kasia off the bench wouldn't be bad um, if Flo is getting beat on everything. So we, maybe maybe we can put Kasia out there. What are you looking at? Well, I see you looking at some. Go ahead, Will. Go ahead. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. First off, we're back in there up a second. But the B-Sin days. Okay, when, <laughs> when the team was rolling, when did they lose without B-Sin? A lot. They lost the seven one. They six lost. Ones. Okay. I'm just saying when the last when they brought Alanis back, the times they lost was both when Beeson was out. They were winning or tying every single time Beeson was in. So, Alanis was rusty. Okay. I mean, you can't you can't I blame the guy. I'm just, I'm just saying though, you can't call out Beeson for that. And then also now thinking about the Vako and the Kashia thing, I don't. You, so you're thinking Kashia would be better than Flo on defense? Do you think he'd actually be faster and hold up? I mean, I'm just saying well, Kashia would be yeah. kind of rusty, and he's slower. He's much slower, and he's not that great with the ball either. But if we need a, a defensive option to come in to defend a 1-0 lead or a 2-0 lead. Then and and floor and flow mm-hmm. looks like he's gassed out there. Uh, maybe I don't know. Uh, maybe we another option Kasia. is you put in Kashi as a center back and and move you flow move flow to CDM yeah, where he doesn't have to be the fastest and he has players behind him. But uh, yeah, nice. it is interesting. This took some interesting directions, but we gotta move on. Mike Pizzo asked. How much will the weather impact how the team plays? Will wet turf or even snow, which is similar to the icing conditions in Sandy, Utah, that Kansas City just played in on decision day, do you think that will keep the Quakes from applying pressure and shift to a more conservative approach? Or Almeida will keep his foot foot on the gas? And we'll go with you, Will, but I think that it doesn't matter what weather or situation is, Almeida believes in the system. Well, right, but I mean, I don't know how many times has Matias played in the snow. It doesn't I mean, snow I, too often in Mexico. Exactly. <laughs> but so there is I, altitude. I, well, in Argentina, too, yes. Yes, it's going to be played in flat Kansas City. So, I mean, <laughs> this, is, this is besides the point. The whole point is it's like, okay, the snow, if it's, if it's literally snowing, yes, it's going to affect the game drastically. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, hopefully it's not that big. Like, I mean, not that much snow, like the Costa Rica-USA game, like when they oh, – yeah. Just like mounds in, of in snow. Colorado, Jermaine yeah. Jones, just like yeah, <laughs> I, I know it was crazy. But I'm just saying, hopefully it doesn't. It's gonna be, it's gonna affect the game a lot. I mean, regard if it's snowing, it's gonna affect it regardless of the system. And of course, Matias is gonna want to keep it the same. But I mean, I, it will definitely affect it. All right, um, Nestor jokingly asked, "How much are flights to Kansas City?" And I'm guessing he's wondering if one of us can spy him some money to make the flight. <laughs> hey. I mean, a flight from Japan to Kansas City is not too bad, guys. We want to, you know, buy me a ticket real quick. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could go. That would be awesome. <laughs> if... Represents the Titanic yeah. Cakes media team. Maybe maybe there's some uh, Black and Soul guys are going out there. Who knows? We'll see. Hopefully there's some yeah. representation of us. I've been to Kansas City once. It was a nice Perfect. place. Uh, I wasn't there. It was only for a day, though. But it's a definitely a nice city. You know, people think that, you know, the middle of the country, is all boring and stuff like that but Kansas City is a really cool kind of it's got a good barbecue scene too so mm. it's really nice to eat the that kind of food there in a place that a right cherishes now. it yeah. well I mean if any of you guys have a little bit of time off of work you know you can drive there you got 12 days to get there <laughs> totally <laughs> so all right 
So, and then lastly, uh, from the San Jose Earthquakes segment of the fan questions, Lucas Gloge from Reddit has a few questions. So I'll, I'll take these. Will the defeat to Seattle significantly affect the team mentality? I think it won't. I think that they're locked in. I think that if anything, yeah. this will increase their motivation, that they're going to want to play better against Sporting Kansas City. I don't think they'll lose 4-1 no matter what happens. They won't lose by a similar embarrassing margin. They're going to the win playoffs. I think they'll keep it close, and we'll see what happens. Uh, is Danny Hoosen's contract extension contingent on Wando's retirement decision? Um, I think that regardless of whether Wando retires or not, I think – they have their mind made up on Danny Houston. I think there's an argument to keep him, and there's an argument to cut bait and try to explore other options. But I think if they continue to want to keep their roster as similarly as possible and they're not going to want to replace them, then I'm all for uh, keeping Danny Houston for another season. Let me let and me last, on this, Ivan, real quick. Yes. Um, so Danny Husen was on the radar for Atlanta when Jose Martinez went down. So yeah. there is people or clubs that might want Danny Husen. Um, I think personally we should re-sign him and then maybe wave him out there as bait during these expansion drafts and then see if anybody wants wants him, right? Yeah, it's true. I think he's definitely a player that he could be gone due to an expansion draft in mm-hmm. the next few seasons, if not next season with Austin FC coming to the league. And then lastly, if Jesse doesn't make significant signings this season, is it time for him to go? What do you guys think? I feel yes. like we've asked this question several yes. transfer windows. The answer should be yes, but for the people that are making the decisions, the answer is probably still no. Is he on contract? Are we making the playoffs? I, he won't go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then lastly, I'm just going to read through some of these comments we got for some of my friends who are sporting Kansas City fans. So we got Brianna Tarima, Tarmina Barrientos from Twitter. She says, as an SKC fan living in Vegas, and so she's a bit more surrounded by California teams, and then there's also the Las Vegas Raiders, Kansas City Chiefs thing. Uh, it's so important for me to see San Jose lose. Whoa. 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 And what do we expect? She's a Kansas City It's fan. important. It's important to her. <laughs> um, but uh, And we feel similarly the other way, so we can't be too hypocritical. And she's torn between wanting to see younger players, such as Gianluca Buzio, be the reason they win, or her favorite player, Johnny Russell, scoring a goal. So if she had to choose one, that would be tough for her. But I think uh, – Overall, sporting Kansas City, while Gianluca Busio is an exciting prospect, he's a U.S. youth national team player, I think Johnny Russell is a consistent figure for them, and I think that they'd love for him to be the one to take him over the top. Of course, we wouldn't. But, Marcos uh, Lopez is going to shut down Johnny Russell. Not even close. Don't worry. Don't <laughs> worry, Quakes fans. All right, and then my friend Nathan Dunn, he's a writer for MLS Multiplex on Twitter. He had a few points of discussion. So Polito's status for this game is still up in the air. He's listed as week-to-week with a knee sprain. Oh, perfect. And Sporting Kansas City are a completely different team if he is not in the picture. And his replacements for a center forward would be between Kyrie Shelton, who they usually start as a winger, and Eric Hurtado, who usually comes off the bench. So I think – if I had to choose between the two, I would rather have uh, Kyrie Shelton start as a false nine because it is really tough to do an impromptu position change uh, 
within a short period of time as the playoffs approaching. Granted, he is no stranger to playing as a striker. I think he has done that for some of oh, his you're previous speaking clubs. A sporting um, perspective, right? No, from our perspective, who we mm. would rather face as striker, if not Pulido, I would rather have the player that's been played the majority of his minutes as a winger this season to start because even though Eric Hurtado is a bench player and he's not as good as either Polito or Shelton, he knows his role and he's going to perform it better if he's in his Wait, preferred position. So you're telling me we might be playing a, a, a one seed with Eric Hurtado at starting forward? Man, this is, this is easy buddy right here. Come on. Come on. <laughs> this is, let's get it. Yeah, this is not an ordinary playoffs, that's for sure. And he has two more points. So his Vermees' preferred uh, center-back pairing is Winston Reed. He's a New Zealand international who's been injured a lot at West Ham before he came to Sporting Kansas City this season, and Roberto Puknik. And he believes that while the chemistry can improve, they can be a partnership worthy of going far in the playoffs. And I'll say this. They're not the best center-backs in, in the league, but they are going to cause, you know, they're going to make it tough on the strikers, so that's something to watch out for. And then lastly – Youngster Jalen Lindsay has done a great job replacing Sanzusi, as Mexican fans will call him, from his heroics in the 2014 World Cup qualifiers. <laughs> but um, the difference between Lindsay versus Zusi is that he's much more focused on the defensive side of the game. He doesn't provide those crosses that Graham Zusi does. So that's fine. If Jalen Lindsay just wants to be a defensive presence, we'll take that. We don't need any of those crosses uh, if he doesn't want to make them. <laughs> So some interesting observations there from some of our Spartan Kansas City fans. It is always cool to get to see uh, different perspectives. And hopefully if we're lucky to see the Quakes uh, go further in the playoffs, we'll try to get some fan perspectives from whoever team we face next as well. I think it's funny that a lot of these perspectives are about their team and they're not really worried about our team, which – Shouldn't be the case. I mean, I would be thinking about, <laughs> oh, man, how do I slow down Espinosa, man? This guy's, like, really good. You know, how, how are we going to – maybe we send him, like, some, some like, food and then, you know, like, he gets a stomach ache, you know. That's what I would be doing if I was a sporting Kansas City fan, not worrying about you, who's going to be your right back of the, the future. You've definitely been dance with that we're going to give him food poisoning thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, come on. Right back in the future, you figure that out next year. Come on, guys. Give us some respect, okay? Quakes fans deserve some respect from sporting. If I was sporting, I would have hated or I would have hate the yeah, I would have hate to have gotten the Quakes as a draw. I would have loved to have gotten Colorado. Just that's just me. I think that they're just happy to be the one seed. I think that yeah, from my conversations with them that they do understand that the Quakes are a good team, but being the one seed in a season where they weren't necessarily on the radar as much as Timbers and LAFC and Sounders, that they can hang their head on that. But it doesn't matter if they lose in the first round, so we'll see. And early San Jose Earthquakes versus Sporting Kansas City predictions for each of you. Let's start with Will. Um, I'm going to go Quakes 3-1. to one. Uh, Don't know yet who will score. We'll get into that later. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, 3-1. to one. All right, Bobby. Yeah, same same scoreline, three to one. I think it's gonna be two to one. They're gonna be pressing. Cade Cal comes in, scores a three to one. So I have to be the downer. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go. Sporting Kansas City wins two to one. What? I think that 
They're a good team, and I think that the Quakes, it's just not their time yet to make a deep run in the playoffs. But I would love to be wrong here, and we'll see. I'll, be, I'll happily be wrong. And so the last thing we'll ask you before we close this podcast, uh, what teams do you predict to make the MLS Cup final and who you think will win the title in the end? Uh, let's start with Fabi. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to win against Sporting. I think Colorado is going to beat Minnesota. It's going to be San Jose. You don't have to go Colorado. too much in detail. Just oh. the East versus West champions, and then oh. who wins in the end? San Jose versus Toronto, and then we have a matchup of the Alanis free kick goal again. So I think it's going to be <laughs> Toronto San Jose in the final. And who wins? Oh come on, San Jose <laughs> Earthquakes. We're gonna we're gonna raise that trophy for Wondolowski, okay? And then he can retire. If we win, he can retire. Okay, um, I'm going to go with coming out of the East. I think the Philadelphia Union, they defend their home turf and they make it out of the East. And I think out of the West, I think Portland Timbers make it out. And I think ultimately Philadelphia Union will win the MLS Cup and Brendan Aronson will move to Europe with that uh, in a suitcase. Mm. Uh, Will? Yeah, I mean, I would love to – Say the Quakes are going to win the whole thing, and you know, again, well, you uh, can. I mean, <laughs> I can, but I, at the same time, I have to be a little more realistic. I mean, oh. I, at the end of the day, I want the Quakes to win against whoever. I don't care who, just win. Um, but I it's probably going to see like a boring Seattle Sounders out of the West. <laughs> yeah, probably against Toronto. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, honestly, it's it, it, I don't feel like there's anything sometimes it just feels like the mls it just kind of feels like it's the same guys you know yeah uh, so, <laughs> the league of parody <laughs> yeah it's like next it's gonna be seattle wins against uh, toronto uh, like so you would pick seattle to beat toronto if that was the case yeah i feel like it's gonna be like that i feel like it's I gonna think, be something boring again i think seattle has a tougher road i mean than the earthquakes personally yeah but toronto maybe yeah. Not, there's there's going to be a few juggernauts in the East this year as well. And I strayed away from a Toronto versus Sanders uh, prediction. Only be, Well, not only. I don't think that they'll have as easy as a time as in some of the other years, perhaps. But also, like, there's no credit if you predict that, uh, you know, <laughs> final. That's going to be on the tip of your tongue, but, you know that's your choice to make too. And I understand why you would go for it too. It's definitely within the realm of possibility. So we do want to thank our sponsors again, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US soccer. Get custom scarves to your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And we also want to thank IcarusFC.com. If you're yeah. tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas, Always. and you're looking for a unique, completely custom kit, for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult cheerleading team, uh, Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new kit today at IcarusFC.com. Ivan, and did you thank you again for watching? Yeah, Ivan, I mean, listening. You, yeah, did you get me and Will jerseys for our adult cheerleading squad or what, dude? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to full disclosure, I meant to say a, adult pro team and then a cheerleading squad, but, you know. It, no, l- let all the fans team. know that me and Will are starting a cheerleading squad for the Earthquakes. So, 
Right. Um, if you could get us some jerseys, uh, Ivan, you know. This is not going to be like Grown Ups 2 where you're going to need money and you're going to do the car washes, right? <laughs> uh, you know, maybe, maybe. I'll do a virtual car wash from Japan if anybody wants to watch, you know. <laughs> yeah, who's going to prefer virtual car wash? Virtual, I'll, I'll, I'll be out here just washing my Hot Wheels. There you go. I mean, with a virtual car wash, you might as well just set up an OnlyFans. <laughs> Jeez, this is made for kids. This is made for kids. Don't forget that. No, it's not. You, when it's on YouTube, it's not marked. This is for kids because people can save us our videos to playlists. They can do that for content made for kids. <laughs> well, as I've been saying, we are on YouTube. So, guys, please make sure you follow us and on YouTube and hit those like buttons. You know, smash that subscribe button. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That would be a great help. And then if you want to be a part of our Patreon, don't forget, we do have a Patreon. Uh, we really appreciate all the Patreon, uh, all the Patreon, all the patrons. I always have a hard time saying yeah. that. But all the patrons that we currently have, we appreciate that. And then, yeah, I mean, that's all I have to say. That's my final thoughts. Will, do you have anything to say? Yeah, I looked up a quick flight. I mean, guys, if you're trying to go, it's right now it's like $500 from SFO to uh, Kansas City. So uh, if you're really thinking about going to the game, guys, you book your flights now. Um, I only looked on United. So uh, there's definitely <laughs> some more options. But, uh, yeah, I wish I could go. But So if any Quakes fans are going, good luck, and uh, we'll talk more about it. But go Quakes for sure. Yeah, if you had to choose between a PS5 or a ticket to Kansas City for this game, yeah. easy choice, right? Go to the game. Go Quakes! Go Quakes! Thank you.